0: Chapter 12 of K. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary in Arkansas. K. By Mary Roberts Reinhardt. Chapter 12. Tillie was gone. Oddly enough, the last person to see her before she left was Harriet Kennedy. On the third day after Mr. Schwitter's visit, Harriet's colored maid had announced a visitor. Harriet's business instinct had been good. She had taken expensive rooms in a good location and furnished them with the assistance of a decor store. Then she arranged with a New York house to sell her models on commission. Her short excursion to New York had marked for Harriet the beginning of a new heaven and a new earth. Here at last she found people speaking her own language she ventured a suggestion to a manufacturer and found it greeted not after the manner of the street with scorn but with approval and some surprise about once in ten years said mr arthur's we have a woman from out of town bring us a suggestion that is both novel and practical when we find people like that we watch them they climb madam climb harriet's climb was not so rapid as to make her dizzy but business was coming. The first time she made a price of $75 for an evening gown, she went out immediately after and took a drink of water. Her throat was parched. She began to learn little quips of the feminine mind, that a woman who can pay 75 will pay double that sum, that it is not considered good form to show surprise at a dressmaker's prices, no matter how high they may be, that long mirrors and artificial lights help sales no woman over thirty, but was grateful for her pink-and-gray room with its soft lights, and Harriet herself conformed to the picture. She took a lesson from the New York modiste, and wore trailing black gowns. She strapped her thin figure into the best corset she could get, and had her black hair marcelled and dressed high, and because she was a lady by birth and instinct, the result was not incongruous, but refined and rather impressive. She took her business home with her at night, lay awake scheming, and wakened at dawn to find fresh color combinations in the early sky. She wakened early because she kept her head tied up in a towel, so that her hair need be done only three times a week. That and the corset were the penalties she paid. Her high-heeled shoes were a torment, too, but in the workroom she kicked them off. To this new Harriet, then, came Tilly in her distress. Tilly was rather overwhelmed at first. The street had always considered Harriet proud, but Tilly's urgency was great, her methods direct. "'Why, Tilly,' said Harriet, "'Yes, am "'Will you sit down?' "'Tilly said. She was not daunted now. While she worked at the fingers of her silk gloves, what Harriet took for nervousness was pure abstraction. "'It's very nice of you to come to see me.' Do you like my rooms?" Tilly surveyed the rooms, and Harriet caught her first full view of her face. "'Is there anything wrong? Have you left Mrs. McKee?' "'I think so. I came to talk to you about it.' It was Harriet's turn to be overwhelmed. "'She's very fond of you, if you have had any words.' "'It's not that. I'm just leaving. I'd like to talk to you, if you don't mind.' "'Certainly.' Tilly hitched her chair closer. "'I'm up against something, and I can't seem to make up my mind. Last night I said to myself, "'I've got to talk to some woman who's not married, like me, "'and not as young as she used to be. "'There's no use going to Mrs. McKee. "'She's a widow and wouldn't understand.' Harriet's voice was a trifle sharp as she replied. She never lied about her age, but she preferred to forget it. I wish you'd tell me what you're getting at it ain't the sort of thing to come to too sudden but it's like this you and I can pretend all we like miss Harriet but we're not getting all out of life that the Lord meant us to have you've got them wax figures instead of children and I have mealers a little spot of color came into Harriet's cheek but she was interested regardless of the corset she bent forward maybe that's true go on "'I'm almost forty. Ten years more at the most, and I'm through. I'm slowing up. Can't get around the tables as I used to. Why, yesterday I put sugar into Mr. LeMoyne's coffee. Well, never mind about that. Now I've got a chance to get a home with a good man to look after me. I like him pretty well, and he thinks a lot of me.' "'Mercy's sake, Tilly, you are going to get married?' "'Noam,' said Tilly. "'That's it.' and sat silent for a moment. The gray curtains with their pink cording swung gently in the open windows. From the workroom came the distant hum of the sewing machine and the sound of voices. Harriet sat with her hands in her lap and listened while Tilly poured out her story. The gates were down now. She told it all, consistently and with unconscious pathos. Her little room under the roof at Mrs. McKee's, and the house in the country, her loneliness and the loneliness of the man, even the faint stirrings of potential motherhood, her empty arms, her advancing age. All this she knit into the fabric of her story and laid at Harriet's feet as the ancients put their questions to their gods. Harriet was deeply moved. Too much that Tilly poured out to her found an echo in her own breast. What was this thing she was striving for but a substitute for the real things of life? Love and tenderness, children, a home of her own. Quite suddenly she loathed the gray carpet on the floor, the pink chairs, the shaded lamps. Tilly was no longer the waitress at a cheap boarding house. She loomed large, potential, courageous, a woman who held life in her hands. "'Why don't you go to Mrs. Rosenfeld? She's your aunt, isn't she?' "'She thinks any woman's a fool, to take up with a man.' You're giving me a terrible responsibility, Tilly, if you're asking my advice. Noam, I'm asking what you'd do if it happened to you. Suppose you had no people that cared anything about you, nobody to disgrace, and all your life nobody had really cared anything about you, and then a chance like this came along. What would you do? I don't know, said poor Harriet. It seems to me I'm afraid I'd be tempted. It does seem as if a woman had the right to be happy even if her own words frightened her it was as if some hidden self and not she had spoken she hastened to point out the other side of the matter the insecurity of it the disgrace like Kay she insisted that no right can be built out of a wrong Tillie said and smoothed her gloves at last when Harriet paused in sheer panic the girl rose "'I know how you feel, and I don't want you to take the responsibility of advising me,' she said quietly. "'I guess my mind was made up anyhow, but before I did it I just wanted to make sure that a decent woman would think the way I do about it.' And so, for a time, Tillie went out of the life of the street, as she went out of Harriet's handsome rooms, quietly, unobtrusively, with calm purpose in her eyes. There were other changes in the street. The Lorenz house was being painted for Christine's wedding. Johnny Rosenfeld, not perhaps of the street itself, but certainly pertaining to it, was learning to drive Palmer Howe's new car in mingled agony and bliss. He walked along the street, not right foot, left foot, but brake foot, clutch foot, and took to calling off the vintage of passing cars so and so nineteen ten he would say with contempt in his voice he spent more than he could afford on a large steamer meant to be fastened across the rear of the automobile which said excuse our dust and was inconsolable when palmer refused to let him use it kay had yielded to anna's insistence and was boarding as well as rooming at the page house the street rather snobbish to its occasional floating population was accepting and liking him it found him tender infinitely human and in return he found that this seemingly empty eddy into which he had drifted was teeming with life he busied himself with small things and found his outlook gradually less tinged with despair when he found himself inclined to rail he organized a baseball club and sent down to everlasting defeat the lindbergs consisting of cash boys from linden and Hofburg's department store. The Rosenfelds adored him, with the single exception of the head of the family. The elder Rosenfeld having been sent up, it was Kay who discovered that by having him consigned to the workhouse, his family would receive from the county some sixty-five cents a day for his labor. As this was exactly sixty-five cents a day more than he was worth to them free, Mrs. Rosenfeld voiced the pious hope that he be kept there forever. Kay made no further attempt to avoid Max Wilson. Some day they would meet face to face. He hoped when it happened they two might be alone. That was all. Even had he not been bound by his promise to Sidney, flight would have been foolish. The world was a small place, and one way or another he had known many people. Wherever he went, there would be the same chance and he did not deceive himself other things being equal the eddy and all that it meant he would not willingly take himself out of his small share of sidney's life she was never to know what she meant to him of course he had scorched his heart until it no longer shone in his eyes when he looked at her but he was very human not at all meek There were plenty of days when his philosophy lay in the dust and savage dogs of jealousy tore at it more than one evening when he threw himself face downward on the bed and lay without moving for hours and of these periods of despair he was always heartily ashamed the next day the meeting with max wilson took place early in september and under better circumstances than he could have hoped for sydney had come home for her weekly visit and her mother's condition had alarmed her for the first time. When Lemoyne came home at six o'clock, he found her waiting for him in the hall. "'I am a little frightened, Kay,' she said. "'Do you think Mother is looking quite well?' "'She has felt the heat, of course. The summer, I often think. "'Her lips are blue. "'It's probably nothing serious. "'She says you've had Dr. Ed over to see her.' She put her hands on his arm and looked up at him with appeal and something of terror in her face. Thus cornered, he had to acknowledge that Anna had been out of sorts. I shall come home, of course. It's tragic and absurd that I should be caring for others when my own mother... She dropped her head on his arm, and he saw that she was crying. If he made a gesture to draw her to him, she never knew it. After a moment, she looked up. I'm much braver than this in the hospital, but when it's one's own..." Kay was sorely tempted to tell the truth and bring her back to the little house to their old evenings together, to seeing the younger Wilson, not as the white god of the operating room and the hospital, but as the dandy of the street and the neighbor of her childhood. Back even to Joe. But with Anna's precarious health and Harriet's increasing engrossment in her business, he felt it more and more necessary that Sydney go on with her training. A profession was a safeguard, and there was another point. It had been decided that Anna was not to know her condition. If she was not worried, she might live for years. There was no surer way to make her suspect it than by bringing Sidney home. Sidney sent Katie to ask Dr. Ed to come over after dinner. With the sunset, Anna seemed better. She insisted on coming downstairs, and even sat with them on the balcony until the stars came out, talking of Christine's trousseau, and rather, fretfully, of what she would do without the parlors. "'You shall have your own boudoir upstairs,' said Sydney valiantly. Katie can carry your tray up there. We are going to make the sewing-room into your private sitting-room, and I shall nail the machine-top down.' This pleased her. When Kay insisted on carrying her upstairs, she went in a flutter. He is so strong, Sidney, she said when he had placed her on her bed. How can a clerk bending over a ledger be so muscular? When I have callers, will it be all right for Katie to show them upstairs? She dropped asleep before the doctor came, and when at something after eight the door of the Wilson house slammed and a figure crossed the street, it was not Ed at all but the surgeon. Sydney had been talking rather more frankly than usual lately there had been a reserve about her Kay, listening intently that night read between words a story of small persecutions and jealousies but the girl minimized them after her way it's always hard for probationers she said i often think miss harrison is trying my mettle harrison carlotta harrison and now that miss gregg has said she will accept me it's really all over the other nurses are wonderful so kind and helpful i hope i shall look well in my cap carlotta harrison was in sydney's hospital a thousand contingencies flashed through his mind sydney might grow to like her and bring her to the house sydney might insist on the thing she always spoke of that he visit the hospital and he would meet her face to face he could have depended on a man to keep his secret This girl with her somber eyes and her threat to pay him out for what had happened to her. She meant danger of a sort that no man could fight. Soon, said Sidney, through the warm darkness, I shall have a cap and be always forgetting it and putting my hat on over it. The new ones always do. One of the girls slept in hers the other night. They are tulle, you know, and quite stiff. And it was the most erratic-looking thing the next day. It was then that the door across the street closed, sidney did not hear it but Kay bent forward there was a part of his brain always automatically on watch i shall get my operating room training too she went on that is the real romance of the hospital a a surgeon is a sort of a hero in a hospital you wouldn't think that would you there was a lot of excitement today even the probationers table was talking about it doctor max wilson did the edwards operation The figure across the street was lighting a cigarette. Perhaps, after all, something tremendously difficult. I don't know what. It's going into the medical journals. A Dr. Edwards invented it, or whatever they call it. They took a picture of the operating room for the article. The cameraman had to put on operating clothes and wrap the camera in sterilized towels. It was the most thrilling thing, they say. Her voice died away as her eyes followed Kay's. Max, cigarette-in-hand was coming across under the Alanthus tree. He hesitated on the pavement, his eyes searching the shadowy balcony. "'Sydney?' "'Here, right back here.' There was a vibrant gladness in her tone. He came slowly toward them. "'My brother is not at home, so I came over. How select you are with your balcony.' "'Can you see the step?' coming with bells on k had risen and pushed back his chair his mind was working quickly here in the darkness he could hold the situation for a moment if he could get sidney into the house the rest would not matter luckily the balcony was very dark is anyone ill mother is not well this is mr Moyne, and he knows who you are very well indeed the two men shook hands i've heard a lot of mr lemoyne didn't the street beat the Lindbergs the other day and i believe the rosenfelds are in receipt of sixty-five cents a day and considerable peace and quiet through you mr lemoyne you're the most popular man on the street i've always heard that about you sydney if dr wilson is here to see your mother going said sydney and dr wilson is a very great person Kay so be polite to him.' Max had roused at the sound of Lemoyne's voice, not to suspicion, of course, but to memory. Without any apparent reason he was back in Berlin, tramping the country roads, and beside him... "'Wonderful night!' "'Great,' he replied. "'The mind's a curious thing, isn't it? "'In the instant since Miss Page went through that window, "'I've been to Berlin and back. "'Will you have a cigarette?' thanks. I have my pipe here." Kay struck a match with his steady hands. Now that the thing had come he was glad to face it. In the flare his quiet profile glowed against the night. Then he flung the match over the rail. Perhaps my voice took you back to Berlin. Max stared, then he rose. Blackness had descended on them again, except for the dull glow of Kay's old pipe. "'For God's sake!' "'Shh! The neighbors next door have a bad habit of sitting just inside the curtains. "'But you—' "'Sit down. Sidney will be back in a moment. "'I'll talk to you if you'll sit still. "'Can you hear me plainly?' "'After a moment. "'Yes. "'I've been here—in the city, I mean—for a year. "'Name's Lemoyne. Don't forget it. Lemoyne. "'I've got a position in the gas office. Clerical.' I get $15 a week. I have reason to think I'm going to be moved up. That will be 20 maybe 22 Wilson stirred, but he found no adequate words. Only a part of what Kay said got to him. For a moment he was back in a famous clinic. And this man across from him, It was not believable. It's not hard work, and it's safe. If I make a mistake, there's no life hanging on it. Once I made a blunder a month or two ago. It was a big one. It cost me three dollars out of my own pocket, but that's all it cost. Wilson's voice showed that he was more than incredulous. He was profoundly moved. We thought you were dead. There were all sorts of stories. When a year went by, the Titanic had gone down, and nobody knew but what you were on it. We gave up. I... In June we put up a tablet for you in the college. I went down there for... The for the services let it stay said Kay quietly i'm dead as far as the college goes anyhow i'll never go back i'm Lemoyne now and for heaven's sake don't be sorry for me i'm more contented than i've been for a long time the wonder in wilson's voice gave way to irritation but when you had everything why good heavens man i did your operation today and i've been blowing about it ever since I had everything for a while, then I lost the essential. When that happened, I gave up. All a man in our profession has is a certain method, knowledge, call it what you like, and faith in himself. I lost my self-confidence, that's all. Certain things happened, kept on happening, so I gave it up, that's all. It's not dramatic. For about a year I was damn sorry for myself. I've stopped whining now if every surgeon gave up because he lost cases i've just told you i did your operation today there was just a chance for the man and i took my courage in my hands and tried it the poor devil's dead Kay rose rather wearily and emptied his pipe over the balcony rail that's not the same that's the chance he and you took what happened to me was different Pipe in hand, he stood staring out at the Ailanthus tree with its crown of stars. Instead of the street with its quiet houses, he saw the men he had known and worked with and taught, his friends who spoke his language, who had loved him, many of them gathered about a bronze tablet set in a wall of the old college. He saw their earnest faces and grave eyes. He heard heard the soft rustle of Sidney's dress as she came into the little room behind them. End of chapter 12